Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 14th, 2015, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our next Crystal Quest to Arkansas is October 11th through 17th, and we're gathering members of the Crystal Soul Group to participate. This group is identified by having at least one of these six star markings on your chart, either 25, 26, or 27 degrees of Capricorn, Cancer, Aquarius, Leo, Taurus, or Scorpio. If you feel the call of the crystals but aren't sure if you have the required star markings, just send an email to crystals at starseedhotline.com with your birth info. Make sure you include the date, the time, the place, and your current location, and I'll take a quick look at your charts to see if you're part of this soul family and send you more details if you are. Well, tonight we welcome Louise Hauk back to the show. Louise is a time-traveling clairvoyant, intuitive spiritual counselor, counselor, author, and international presenter. She assists others in developing and honing their own intuitive abilities and offers several different services to do that. She's written several books, such as Heartlinks, Streaming Consciousness, Beyond Boundaries, and Fearless Future. Many of her past workshops and presentations can be found on her YouTube channel, and she also does private consultation. She's a delightful lady, and we're happy to have her with us tonight. Her website is louisehauk.com, and that's spelled L-O-U-I-S-E, and Hauk is H-A-U-C-K.com. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. We would like to thank Fiona and Vanya for hosting the switchboard this evening. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and thanks go to Tammy, as always, for her dedication to the forum. You can download our show podcasts on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page. Just look for the cloud with an arrow icon. If you'd like to support our show, please just click follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. If you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you want the interpretation to go with that, that's considered a stage two, and you'll need to book that a couple of months ahead of time. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with the Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel Lavendar, everybody. It's good to be back with you again. We have lots of news this evening, so I guess I'd better get to it. I guess I should ask if you can hear me. Am I on? Yes, you sound great. 
Oh, good. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to start tonight's news, as we often do, by talking about the sun, but this is a different slant. This is sort of some off-the-wall news, and I wanted to bring it to your attention because Starseed may have heard it. it may, it's proliferating on the Internet. So I'm going to read the two sides of one story. And we're going to start out with the research that is very recent that's making it all over the Internet. And the story's headline is, Scientists Say Sun's Heartbeat Will Bring On the Ice Age. A new model of the sun's 11-year heartbeat suggests that solar activity will fall by 60% during the 2030s, dropping to conditions last seen during the Marauder Minimum, which occurred in the 1600s and is referred to commonly as the Little Ice Age. Now, many solar physicists think the solar cycle is driven by a dynamo caused by convecting fluid deep within the sun. However, the scientists that presented this new study are claiming that they have detected two dynamos, uh, one near the surface of the sun, and they say that the uh, uh, activity of the sun, I should say, will become increasingly offset during cycle 25 that peaks in 2022. Well, what's all this about? They are essentially claiming that they have a 97% accuracy in their predictions, and based on that, they say that the two waves of these uh, dynamos in the sun will become out of sync during the 2030s, leading to an, an ice age on Earth. All right. Well, from spaceweather.com, which is where I often present uh, the source of my solar news and other sort of astronomical news to you all, uh, we read a counter uh, to this uh, almost viral article. And this is what solar, uh, excuse me, spaceweather.com says. Ice Age news reports are exaggerated. Stop the presses. The mainstream media is reporting a sensational new study about the sun's inner magnetic dynamo. According to a double dynamo model that I just told you about, advanced by researchers at a university in the UK, solar activity could drop by 60% in the 2030s, mimicking conditions during the little ice age of the 17th century. A widely copied quote fragment from the lead researcher states that, quote, we found that our prediction showed an accuracy of 97%, end quote. And spaceweather.com goes on to say, in fact, the model has never successfully predicted any future solar activity. So far, it's only been used to predict solar cycles from 1976 to 2008. And almost any model can be fine-tuned to match the past. As forecasting tools, previous dynamo models have failed spectacularly. The double dynamo model of this researching group may yet, to prove, may yet prove to be correct, but until it passes the test of correctly predicting future solar activity, there is little reason to worry about an historic decline in sunspots, much less another ice age. So there you have it, two claims presented at the same time. Um, just wanted to make sure we got that all out there for you to sort through. <laughs> well, there was a record-breaking explosion in space, two and a half times brighter than any previous superluminous supernova ever discovered. A supernova that was discovered on the 14th of June appears to shine more than 400 billion times brighter than the sun if they sat next to each other. 
An ordinary supernova usually marks the death of a massive star, but a so-called superluminous supernova, I like to say that, <laughs> superluminous supernova shines at least 10 times brighter and has more mysterious origins. The newly found explosion called ASASSN 151H, you all need to commit that to memory, yeah, is right. at least two and a half times brighter than any superluminous supernova seen before. Very mysterious. We don't know what that is. But, you know, that sounds like a huge amount of energy. My goodness, 400 billion times brighter than the sun. It was discovered by the All-Sky Automated Surveys for Supernovae. Uh, it's a, a suite of automated telescopes that scour the sky for stellar explosions, discovering uh, the bright object in the northern constellation of Indus. That's where they found it. And by the way, whoever wrote this <laughs> needs to go back to school and, and quit, quit writing in alliterations. It's too hard to say all those S's in a row. <laughs> okay, but that's some pretty exciting news, actually. You know, the more I research Starseed News, and I'm thankful for this opportunity because it really keeps me up on things. And I am utterly astonished at the science and the technology that we are entering into and actually have well-developed, as you're going to see from the rest of tonight's news, bringing me to the next subject, which is Project Nimbus. What's that? Well, researchers are using lasers to project moving images onto clouds. Wow, forget the whiteboard, the blackboard, and the projector screen. We don't need to use those anymore. What they have done in England over the city of Nottingham was to project a green ghost rider. They were testing a newly developed projecting device, which allows the beaming of moving images directly onto clouds for the first time ever. Wow. Well, just think about that. The image of a galloping horse rider was projected onto the clouds from a distance of 50 meters by special laser-based projection system mounted on an aircraft. The system beaming the images into the clouds, clouds was invented by a research team calling itself Project Nimbus. It is composed of a designer and a chemist from the University of Leeds who ultimately want to be able to beam the movies onto the clouds from the ground. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, you know, that sounds, that sounds innocent enough, but there are a whole lot of people waiting for the second coming um, that might get to see God coming in the clouds when maybe it's not that at all. Sometimes as the, world, as the world advances in technology, it's becoming more and more difficult to tell truth from fiction. Well, the Colima volcano in western Mexico has erupted. It has spewed ash more than four miles into the air and is sending lava down its flanks. Now, the activity at this volcano began Thursday and has continued through Friday morning and on, I guess, through the weekend. They say a statement from their civil protection agency said that ash was falling to the southwest of the crater. Now, people, interestingly enough, not surprisingly enough, I should say, were advised to avoid a three-mile perimeter around the peak. Yes, I would imagine so. Don't go there. <laughs> might get a little hot. And Indonesia's Mount Rang volcano has erupted again. Its uh, debris was scattered 12,460 feet into the air. It was a, quite the explosion, actually, happened on Friday. It put people around the volcano naturally on high alert. 
they say that it closed airports and uh, airline flights were canceled uh, to Bali, which stranded thousands of people. Now, this volcano, we've talked about it previous weeks, but it has been rumbling for a while. The level of activity increased in the past week, and uh, they are saying that evacuations might be necessary, although not yet. They're telling people to wear masks so that they don't breathe the ash. We've had some interesting earthquake activity. Uh, there's going to be very of great interest to people that live in California, but... Uh, before we get to that, let's just say that the Solomon Islands have had an, another big earthquake. They often get big ones. They're getting kind of bigger and bigger. There was a 6.7 that happened uh, just a few days ago um, in an island south. It was actually Dadali, south-southwest uh, south, of an island, Dadali, in the Solomon Islands. And over 30 earthquakes have been reported overnight near the San Andreas Fault in Southern California, and there have been 169 earthquakes in that area this week alone. Wow. Over, over 30 earthquakes ranging in magnitude from 1.3 to 2.4 were reported between Sunday night and Monday morning, and this is according to the USGS. Most of the seismic activity was recorded between the Topa Topa Mountains and the Santa Susana Mountains. They say the quakes occurred near, but not on, the San Andreas Fault Line. 21 of the earthquakes occurred between the hours of 10, a, uh, 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. And yes, again, there have been a recorded 169 earthquakes in the area this week alone. Heavy rainfall has been hitting North India for the third day. It's incessant raining there. It's washing uh, away vast uh, swaths of land. Uh, it's causing flooding, water logging, and traffic snarls, and it's interrupting plantings and uh, causing problems with crops. India is being inundated. And in New Zealand, well, they have uh, the lowest maximum temperature in decades, they say. More than 30 weather stations around New Zealand have had daily maximum temperature recordings that are either the lowest ever recorded or at least in the top four coldest months uh, for July. New Zealand is chilly. And a water spout has knocked out power in North Carolina's Outer Banks. Any of our starseed living in that region probably experienced this. Uh, Tideland Power said that power was finally restored on Oracoke Island after an apparent water spout uh, caused an outage on Saturday night. They say at least a thousand customers were without power. So that has been happened, been and gone by now. But there have been a lot of water spouts recorded uh, in the the news since you and we all got together uh, last week. Just five or six of them. This is just one of them that I'm reporting because it's it's in our country. And in western New York, there has been a triangular uh, UFO sighting. A woman uh, and a man saw something very unusual on the night of May 5th. I don't know why they're actually just starting to report this, but since it's UFO-related, even though it's not timely and I haven't spoken of it before, I thought we ought to present this to you tonight. Uh, the witnesses said that it was a red round light it came to a dead stop and turned green. The man summoned his wife to come out and see what all the fuss was about. They reported the case to MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and um, there, were other, there were other sightings in that vicinity by other people. 
Uh, in June, a retired State Connect Corrections uh, worker spotted a triangular light formation from his front porch in the evening. He called his wife again to the porch, and she was very surprised, but she did manage to take a few photographs with her smartphone camera. They say that the lights from this triangle went from orangish red to a white color. The woman herself, who had been a UFO skeptic forever, said that now she, now that she's seen the object, she believes it. She would have never believed it without seeing it. Now she's a believer. And according to MUFON, there have been 900 sightings from around the world just in the month of May, with most sightings coming from the United States. The top five states with the most reports in May include California, Texas, Florida, New York, and Ohio. 900 sightings in May. That's a lot. Well, here is a fascinating story. Scientists have finally proven the existence of a new particle, and they call it the pentaquark. Well, as its name suggests, a pentaquark is five quarks bound up together. Now, for more than half a century, physicists have predicted the existence of this mysterious pentaquark, which is a subatomic particle that's made of four quarks and one antiquark, all bound up together. But now, because of experiments at the Large Hadron Collider, they finally found it, and they've confirmed, well, it's the real deal. Now, quarks are the super small elementary particles that make up the neutrons and protons that make up atoms. And by the way, neutrons and protons are each made of three quarks. Well, quarks can also combine to form an array of stronger composite particles like the pentaquark. So like the Higgs boson particle, they say the pentaquark's existence has been theorized for years, but now they have found it, no doubt. You know, they just keep getting smaller and smaller. Mm. Here's an important story for all of you who purchase products made in China, particularly toys for children. Uh, asbestos fibers have been found in crayons and children's toys sold in the United States, according to a new report from a health advocacy group. The EWG Action Fund is calling for a ban on asbestos in consumer products after it found the substance in four out of 28 brands of crayons, according to a report released by the group on Wednesday. Two brands of toy crime lab kits of the 21 which were tested were also reported to have contained carcinogenic substances. They had been purchased from Toys R Us and Amazon. Asbestos was found in the kit's fingerprint dusting powders, and these products had higher concentrations than the tested brand of crayon did. Well, that brings up a point of discussion. You know, this is not the first time that toxic substances have been discovered in products manufactured in China. Everything from dishes with lead paint, uh, cosmetic powders, uh, lotions, on and on and on. It's worrisome that there are probably many more instances of contaminated products that are being imported from China which are not being disclosed to the public. So let's go with the old adage, let the buyer beware. Read labels. Read labels. Find out where they're from. Find out where things are made. You know, along about Halloween or on occasions where maybe I have to get candy, which, you know, for kids or whatever, shopping around, even at the major stores, the major department stores, pick up a bag of candy for Halloween and look at the back of it, and it will say distributed by 
but that doesn't tell you where it's made. And a lot of the, the products that we assume are American, when it comes to food to eat, candy and such, is made in China. They make these uh, very uh, tantalizing little uh, gummy suckers with cute faces and animal ears and stuff. Kids really go for that. Wow, I wouldn't give that. I'd sooner give my kid rat poison than that simply because. <laughs> I mean, what in the world is in that stuff? It's so adorable, but it's made in China. So anyway, we just really do have to read the labels and pay attention. And again, let the buyer beware. Well, there is a new theory out. It's uh, uh, what they call information theory. And the theory says that an excess of useless information weakens the immune system, making people prone to cancer. Now, the warning came at a conference uh, uh, around Heidelberg University and a professor who, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce her name. I think she's uh, Russian, definitely Russian, and I can't possibly pronounce it. But she's a doctor, and she's from the Blood Transfusion and Clinical Immunology Institute, (laughs) and she was addressing a congress on links between cancer tubers and microenvironments. Now, she said, a factor in causing cancer is unrecognized chronic stress. This can be the result of an uncontrolled flow of information, quite often negative, which faces people in the modern world on a daily basis, she said. She said, people don't think they need to protect themselves from useless information as they don't see it as a threat, yet it should be seen as a factor in causing cancer alongside genetic predisposition. She said, the effect of pathogenic organisms and environmental aspects are just one of the factors that predispose a person to this disease. And she is tossing in, of course, useless information or information overload. She said, in fact, the influence of the information field is more dangerous than ecological factors. Because we can measure and control ecological factors, but we don't know what to do with mountains of excess information that scares and disturbs us and worries us with whatever extra possibilities it might bring along. She said the information field speculates on people's psyches, and it does it successfully because most of us cannot filter uh, toxic information. Mm. All right. Well, a grizzly bear got mad. A grizzly bear at the Minnesota Zoo in Apple Valley picked up a basketball-sized rock with his front paws yesterday morning, and he repeatedly slammed it into a pane of glass, shattering the barrier as it (laughs) freaked out the patrons that stood on the other side. This was a five-layer pane of glass. It managed to stay in place like a windshield, and the bear didn't get out and the people didn't get in. Nobody was hurt. But the rambunctious bear and the two other grizzlies in the exhibit were managed to coax back inside. They closed the area to the public until a temporary fix can be made. Then they say they're going to install a permanent pane that will be custom-made uh, and bear-proof. They say it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars. But, you know, we really can't fault the bear for wanting to escape from what is a prison and with the added annoyance of having people stare at you and watch your move every day. I think maybe this bear just decided that enough was enough. What do you think, Ariel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wants back in the woods. He wants to get back in the woods. And they say that animals aren't conscious. Well, we know a lot better than that. 
there's been a lot of uh, wild animal behave, misbehavior. Uh, a lot of animals across the planet attacking people. I don't cover this news because it's somewhat disturbing and it's endless. I could just spend an entire hour just reading uh, article after article about um, strange animal behavior. So really it's about an imbalance in nature. And of course I'm preaching to the choir when I talk to this audience. We all know that, how we have upset the balance of nature. And as Starseed, we are doing what we do to bring it all back into balance again which is a very good purpose to be alive. Very good to help the planet. Wonderful. And that's it for tonight's news, Ariel. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful program tonight. Oh, we sure are. We sure are. And thank you so much for leading off with the Starseed News. So, um, Lavender, uh, let me get, you, get your microphone on there. I'm here. You hear me? Yes, I can, and I'm going to um, get you on here. Hi, Louise. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, we love having you back. Thank you. So, Lavender is going to lead off. So, Louise, we love having you on our show. It's always a well, thrill to, to talk to you and hear of your experiences. So why don't you just uh, start out by telling us a little bit about your time-traveling, intuitive, spiritual work. Well, I think the last time we had a chat, uh, I was talking about uh, my book, Streaming Consciousness, and the analogy I make that we're all in the stream, connected in the stream of timeless consciousness that goes beyond time and the physical. Um, and, And we start to observe what brings us into the flow, where we feel our connectivity, and that's with our hearts open, that's the connector, really, uh, the feeling of gratitude, appreciation, and what takes us out of the flow uh, instantaneously is fear and the ego self trying to grab the wheel. I call mine Edith, Edith ego. And when I observe my those thoughts in my head that are trying to control the situation or rehearse the perfect conversation that's going to show so-and-so, I imagine myself giving Edith a hug and putting her in timeout. I think we've talked about how Eckhart Tolle in his book, A New Earth, Uh, It says that it's really gratifying to know that when you simply observe what your thoughts are doing and that the ego self has taken charge, that means that you're back to your authentic self. You're back in the flow, back in alignment where you get the parking place, the phone call, bada bing, bada bang, you know, when it all lines up. So people, I think, and particularly I would imagine your listening audience, have become very attentive to Uh, observing their thoughts. I think Deepak Chopra calls it being the non-evaluative observer. And and how those thoughts can shift our reality uh, instantaneously. The information overload, the news was fascinating, by the way, and information overload has to have a wearing effect that would take us out of the flow. Uh, I know when I have my apprentices start their weekly session over the phone scanning my consciousness, They'll pick up on a scene from, oh gosh, years ago. I remember one picked up a, a scene from Desperate Housewives I'd watched the night before. <laughs> it all goes in. Um, so these things can take us out of the flow, the negativity, the focus on the doom and gloom, uh, and nothing gets us back in the flow quicker than opening our heart, going to the feeling of gratitude and appreciation. I've had an interesting, un- unanticipated um 
uh, occurrence recently. My son was in New York on his own since he was 15 on Madison Avenue in uh, web production. And he finally pulled out after Hurricane Sandy and lots of adventures. And so he's here regrouping and freelancing. And every so often, he just tickles me so much with his perceptiveness and his humor. And in that moment, my heart opens, and I'm just adoring him so much. And it creates that a portal where, in fact, his future partner rushes in, very much like souls in the non-physical. Uh, so she comes in beyond time and has a chat with me about my son, who she hasn't met yet. <laughs> Uh, and even a son that, that hasn't been born yet uh, pops in and says, and you know, I'm going to really like spinach. And so it's such a, this has happened three or four times now, and, it, and so it's such a demonstration how, how the, the open heart is the connector, the conduit to multidimensional information existing beyond time, beyond the physical. It's really exciting. And, of course, I can be my, my own most challenging client and I say to my son's future partner, so how does he get from here to there? <laughs> and then she kind of laughs and disappears. <laughs> so so it is the open heart that is the conduit. In and, and when we're in the when we realize we're in the stream together and and feel this connectivity, I think the uh, uh, an example of this sensing would be when you watch a flash mob video on YouTube. I know it makes me emotional seeing this supposedly spontaneous group of musicians, dancers, singers come together in a mall or, or out on the street, whatever. It, it's a feeling of unity, what I call the current of unity. The more we identify those moments of connectivity, being in the current of unity, the more we get, the more we experience life with that connectivity that then opens us up to this vast wellspring of multidimensional information. Um, so when we, when we feel that, that sensing and identify it, it's very similar to when we first learned about the concept of synchronicities, seemingly psychic timing event, of events that was coined by the psychologist Carl Jung. When we start, you know how when we started observing synchronicities, we rarely used the word co coincidence anymore. And the more we identified these synchronicities, the more we got. Uh, and it's kind of like when you decide you're going to buy a, 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 a Nissan car, that's all you see on the highway because you're focused on that slice of infinity that includes Nissan cars. So the more we identify those moments of connectivity, the more that portal expands and opens us up to receiving this highly intuitive multidimensional information. So first to know we're in the flow, then to observe what we're all in the stream together, then to notice when we're in the flow and out of the flow and how to get back in the flow and what pulls us out of the flow. And then once we get have more moments of each day experiencing that connectivity, we start to dive deep. And this is a really fun explorations I've done with my apprentices where we, we figure out different ways to play with this wellspring of, of information. I help them customize their own template so that something that is in their psyche uh, will serve as a filter to filter this information. 
until we all get used to telepathy, which is another one of my big causes, and I'll explain why, but until uh, while we still have to use uh, verbal communication, we have to lay this information out linearly. So, for example, the, the apprentice who's an engineering consultant, uh, we devised a way where he'd imagine the information coming in and then filtering into a PowerPoint demonstration that he does when he's traveling. So the information that comes right in front of him into the slides right before him is the present. Slides to the left is the past. Slides to the right are the future. Uh, another apprentice is exclusively clairaudient. When she would go to workshops and, and would be asked to visualize, she just drew a blank and would want to go home. It was so frustrating for her. So she can imagine something, but it, she can't visualize. Again, exclusively clairaudient. So when, when I would coach her to go to a place she could relate to, like her favorite place on the river to go fishing with her husband, she would then imagine a barge coming down the river and if it was going from left to right, it was coming from the future. If it was coming from from the left, uh, it was coming upstream, it was coming from the past. So these are very customized templates that help them sort out the information that they that they bring in. Most apprentices have pretty much leapfrogged over their, their doubt, their self-doubt, that they are getting this information. Uh, I provide exercises that outrun the doubting, censoring mind. Uh, that's the intellect that's going to say, oh, you just made that up, or that's just crazy. And once they, they have leapfrog over the self-doubt, we just go to town with with animating information. I, I have, car, and when I do consultations, I have cars speak to me. They'll come in unsolicited. Uh, trees often uh, on my Facebook page. I think it's the the public one is uh, Louise Hauk Dash Illuminations. A few posts down, there's a picture of a 900 year old tree that 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 jumped into my client's reading, very imposing as as majestic as it is, to confirm that it really likes the hugs. <laughs> and this this in fact is a client and his wife who are cyclists. So I posted, he sent me a picture of them, the cycling team, standing in front of this 900-year-old tree, and then there's a picture of his wife hugging the tree. And so, again, examples of this um, this marvelous connectivity. So uh, nature speaks to us in this flow of connectivity. Uh, uh, I Cars become animated and, and tell me that they need their transmission uh, fixed, or I'll hop in the car that happens to be the yellow Mercedes that my client is thinking of selling, and I imagine the car taking me down the road, and I call out what's to the left and the right of me that, in one case, had to do with details informing my client about her next dwelling. She was just told she had just been told she has to move. Uh, another time, I'm going down the road. You know, and uh, I and I just call it out, and I said, "Well, first there's a tree that that wants to talk to you." She said, "Oh, I talk to him all the time. I talk to it all the time." I said, "There's a fox crossing the road, and it's showing me a letter coming through a door." And later she said, "Well, my my husband is a writer for Fox and hasn't been paid." And then a week later she informed me that a letter with the check had come through the door. So it's very telling infinite timeless information it's just knowing how to get into the the connectivity 
and uh, and pull in the information, translate it, decode it, deal with the metaphors, and so on. And it's you can tell I really enjoyed it. It's just so much fun. I never know uh, what's coming or often what the information means. When uh, a client's grandfather in the non-physical transmitted information that made me think of the Joel Chandler Harris Briar Rabbit story from my childhood, that got me to say Briar Rabbit, Briar Patch. And sure enough, my client said, oh, Granddad lived on Briar Road. So it's it's like charades, and they transmit impressions that get me to say certain words. And again, I never... I never know what the meaning is. Um, Just recently, just last week, a client was having a rough time and was feeling very much alone. And I love getting evidence of our connectivity to higher energies, to the angelic realm. They often come in and confirm that they know my client has an angel figurine or they'll show me precise moments of intervention in the past, the the car spinning in the intersection, just to confirm to the client that sensing. You know, the times we say, oh, my gosh, the angels must be with me. Well, they love to rush in and say, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so for this particular client, I said, as I merge with your timeless consciousness, it's like we're looking towards the heavens and there's this, this kind of bluish angelic, uh, feeling like the movie Frozen, uh, and she said that's the image I have in the morning when before I get out of bed, I say the Lord's Prayer, I do the Rosary, and then I don't get out of bed until I can have a smile on my face. And so here, these higher energies were saying, "Yeah, it work, it's working." <laughs> and so this confirmation of our connectivity, I think we all need it when we feel alone or that things aren't working the way we we would like, and and most often. Things are unfolding way out of range of our ego self's uh, range of, of speculation or our imagination. So when I describe these future scenes, I'll often hang out with the higher self of a partner my client hasn't met yet, sort of like my son's future partner popping in. And I sometimes like to tease clients and say, well, here's here's the higher self, the timeless aspect, overarching aspect of a future partner, but you probably don't want to hear that. And they say, oh, no, go ahead, no, please. (laughs) Anyway, so we have this telepathic communication, and oftentimes they'll, they'll confirm why it hasn't happened yet. Many times the higher self of future partners will show me an overlay of where in another life space they've had an adventure and and they both needed to move to a certain point in their soul's evolution before coming together again. I think the first time this happened, a client was almost suicidal. She was convinced she'd never have a partner, find her true love, and so on. So in pops the higher self of her future partner, and he's showing me a scene of them walking down a dirt road. He's got a plaid Pendleton shirt on, and they're looking at property where they're thinking of building a cabin. This is in a potential positive future moment. So he turns to me and he says, I know she wants me there right now, but tell her we've done it that way before, and she never knew what made her so unhappy. Our paths are configured this time around so that we can both grow and she can figure it out so that we can come together and move on to new adventures. So it can be so confirming about uh, our timeless plan and why we're set 
our, our paths are set up to challenge us to grow. Sometimes we find ourselves in divorce court when in a past scenario we've uh, we've been undermined, persecuted, uh, whatever, uh, as a woman didn't get to speak our truth. And and sure enough, we in another incarnation, we find ourselves in divorce court being forced to speak our truth. So sometimes the things we lament are actually answers to past prayers. So uh, so the first thing is to know we're, we're all in the stream together, to start to observe what takes you in out of the flow, what brings you into the flow. Start to identify and give thanks for those moments of connectivity, those flash mob feelings. Uh, it's easy with animals and babies uh, to to um, to feel that connectivity and to telepathize with them because they know nothing but the present moment. They're not distracted, and to communicate with the higher selves of others. You can go. You can imagine a ball of energy above your head. You have to move up from the ego self up to your own higher self before you communicate with the higher self of another. So you can imagine a, a golden ball of light above your, your a coworker, an employer, an ex-husband. You can imagine that higher energy above another, and then communicate on that level, seeking resolution, greater purpose, uh, greater connectivity. When I do this kind of interpreting, uh, this higher self to higher self communication with souls in or out of the body, with people's pets, <laughs> you name it, everything that is energy, I will usually end the communication, this telepathic communication, by asking that other source for a sneak preview of a cosmic wink they'll be sending. So I might have, uh, this, I might interpret this communication with the higher self of, for example, my my hus my client's ex husband or or employer, and then at the end I'll I'll ask for a, co a a sneak preview of a cosmic wink they'll be sending, and it might be something like uh, a bonsai plant put on their desk, uh, some reference to something out a window, a kind word, um, loved ones in the non physical. It's often a bird on the windowsill or coins on the sidewalk. All these little cosmic winks they're going to be sending to confirm, yes, indeed, we did have this communication on this higher level of communication, of telepathic communication. So I think it's it's us expanding in consciousness, and it's important to know how vast this information is, how multi-layered um, my apprentices and I, and, and in consultations, I work to decipher the symbols and interpret the metaphors, and really uh, find different ways to play with it. It's it's funny. Uh, I was I thought your news was fascinating, Ariel, and and the project Nimbus. I, what a hoot! And it reminded me of a computer guy <clears throat> I knew years ago who was also very intuitive. And he said he was driving through the desert once, and he looked up in the clouds and he saw UFOs. Now, I don't refer to ETs. I call them HIs, higher intelligentsia. <laughs> and that kind of, that sort of uh, separates it from, you know, the, the, the tin cans, spaceships, and all of that. And anyway, so he looks up in the clouds and he, he sees HIs. And he says to them, he telepathizes, he says, I can see you. And what he got back was, no, you can't. We're disguised as clouds. <laughs> and then he says, if you'd stop scaring people, I could send you hundreds of people to help your cause. I, I thought that was so so funny. 
uh, and it's come to my awareness that they would come into our dimension more frequently if it didn't put them at risk to come into this these lower vibrations where we use language. And so the more we open to telepathy, I think the more uh, it puts us, the more we can piggyback on each other's frequency. And uh, and I think to just identify when it's happening, when someone pulls something out of your energy field and you say, my gosh, I, I was just thinking that, well, and you, you just say, well, gosh, I guess we're being telepathic here. Just to kind of desensitize people that it's not a woo-woo thing. We do it all the time. I remember going to a, a gathering and a few hours before, this was several years ago, and someone had mentioned the the series, I think it was called Nip and Tuck, and I hadn't heard of it. And so then I go on to the gathering and I meet this gal, very left brain analytical gal. She did testing in the schools and and she uses the expression nip and tuck. And I said, have you used that expression before? She said, no. And I wanted to tell her that she just pulled that out of my energy field, but I didn't have the time nor the inclination to go into telepathy with this very analytical person. But it, 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 again, on the subject of information overload, it all goes in, and she was simply pulling that out of my energy field. So it's a different way of perceiving and a different way of interacting, uh, and as we trust it, we'll be doing it more, and I think it's very much in line with consciousness expanding. Oh, so I totally going agree. On. What, yeah, well, yeah. I love everything that you're saying. But I wanted to ask you, um, tell us more about the streaming consciousness that relates to communicating with deceased loved ones. And do you have any examples? Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much my book, Heartlinks. And, of course, heart the heart is the conduit. Um, and it's feeling them in your heart. Uh, many times when when people are grieving or feeling abandoned or left out or unloved, that's a contracting energy. When we're in fear, we contract. And it's like we're huddled in the corner uh, apologizing for taking too much space in life. And then there's room for for unwanted influences and, and, and so on, as opposed to when we're expanded, our hearts open, and we're feeling gratitude and appreciation. Or when I need to access my power, I'll, I'll thrust my my palm forward and do kind of a kind of a karate sound and suddenly my energy filling the room so my point is that when we're grieving when we do need to grieve we do need to go through the process and let let the pain transform it expands us as we uh, allow ourselves to feel greater deeper pain it also expands our potential to increases our potential to feel greater joy as opposed to shutting down and shutting it out uh, but but when we're when we're thinking of of how much we love of a, a a loved one, thinking of the good times that made us laugh and revisiting that in our minds and in our hearts, that creates the conduit and dials them in. They love when they come into consultations. They love to show specifically, almost obsessively, those specific moments when my client has dialed them in. They might say you were in the kitchen, your elbow was by the bowl of tangerines, you were talking to my picture, and I say, okay, we get it. (laughs) They really love to detail those poignant, powerful moments, those heart-connected moments that dial them in. Sometimes it's when when my client is putting together a photo album and they'll, they'll even show me the picture 
on, on which side of the photo album page that made them laugh when they were recollecting about this loved one. So it's a powerful frequency. I had an apprentice once who said, she said, that this sounds really weird, and, and most clients and apprentices know that they don't need to say that with me. <laughs> when people say, you're going to think this is really weird, and I say, yeah, right. Anyway, she said that her beloved husband in the non-physical, she said, I just know that last weekend he was tasting ice cream through me. Now, that would spook a lot of people, but I understood completely that he was piggybacking on her frequency, very much like DSL. Before most of us had cable, we had DSL, uh, where your Internet connection was piggybacking on your phone line. And that's really what it is do- what it's, what's happening in terms of energy, that when we open our heart and we feel that closeness, even pretend we're feeling that closeness, we're accessing that frequency. We're piggybacking on their frequency, and they're right there. So they love to confirm that. So that that made me think of some things that I heard years ago about people that uh, go to bars and smoke cigarettes and really tie one on night after night, and then they go home and 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 and, and they say that they see spirits and things go home with them. <laughs> Is it because yes. that 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 entity? When they left the planet, they loved to drink and smoke. Is that yes. that be part of that? Absolutely. And I visit a lot of loved ones in their golf heaven, poker game heaven, garden heaven, <laughs> fishing <laughs> heaven. <laughs> our our thoughts really do create our heaven. So uh, so my sister in law said, "Well, then I'm landing in a seeds candy store." Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it, and uh, I remember. An, an, an example of, well, first of all, I think as consciousness is expanding in this lifetime, that our experience as physical beings, as we're tooling around in our golf carts that we call our bodies, uh, ex, you know, exploring and growing as physical beings, as we as we yield to this expansion in consciousness, that our phys, that our experience while being physical beings is going to equate more and more with non-physical experience. Faster manifestation, our thoughts creating our reality more instantaneously, and we really do go where our thoughts go. When we've dropped the body and we're in the non-physical, we are where our thoughts are. So that's where I visit the client, you know, the loved ones in their particular heaven. And I remember I was presenting to an audience a few years ago, and I was telling them about my experience watching 9/11 from my rooftop when I was living in New York. And as I was telling them the story, I was there in beyond time in my memory, in my thoughts. When we're non-physical, we really are there. So then I have to remember I'm talking to this audience in the present and have to come back from 9-11 in the past back into the present. And fortunately, ginkgo biloba really helps me come back (laughs) when I go off on those tangents. Uh, you know, ginkgo biloba that increases circulation to the brain. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and and where what we focus on creates a reality in 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 the physical, and is nothing but when we drop the body. You know, in the non-physical. Uh, another really fun example of uh, connectivity of all things in or out of the body, in the physical or non-physical. A few weeks ago, I was reading a client, and most work I do over the phone these days, and um, 
I was interrupted by this this cute little white dog, the higher self of this dog, who had a lot to say. And after the session, my client said, you know, I just was driving with my boyfriend and his little dog from Texas, or from Oklahoma to Texas. And I turned to the dog as we were nearing home. I turned to the dog and said, you know, I'm going to be having a consultation with Louise if you want to join in. (laughs) So the dog was coming by invitation, jumping in. So it's all there. It's all there. I think I, and I, do you have, and I post with horses very often? Do you, do you have a particular animal that you're more attuned than others or do you just, Oh, cats and dogs are, are so prevalent and, and, and more than one cat has wanted me to tell their owner, uh, would you please tell her to stop rattling the plastic bags every time she opens the pantry? Or sometimes if it's a, if it's a, a client with several cats, They'll show me the hierarchy, and and I'll interpret their personalities in human terms. Um, yeah, it it so cats and dogs. Uh, I had a client years ago who had a wolf farm, and the minute I would start with her session, the wolves would come up to the door and and start uh, howling. They wanted to be part of it. Sometimes all my other phone lines ring when I'm uh, having a, a phone consultation. People want to, hey, let's hop on that frequency. So just becoming aware, again, like synchronicities, becoming aware of how this is in play all the time. And, and as we get aware of it, we become aware of it and trust it, we get more evidence of it. And it's just, there's nothing like it. And that, that feeling, that current of unity, that feeling of connectivity, Oh, there's I I just I think that's heaven. I think that's nirvana. So déjà vu is part of this, right? Yeah, I think my spin on déjà vu is that our consciousness and the spirit is non-local, and it's expansive. It's uh, and the higher self, our timeless energy consciousness, is omnipresent and uh, omnipotent. It's timeless, as I say, and so sometimes I think our spirit goes on ahead. Uh, to experience things, and then our physical self catches up with it, and we say, I feel like I've been here before, because we have. Um, uh, I, When I work with apprentices at some stage, I uh, over their speakerphone, I have them lie down, and I take them through one of um, uh, an astral projection exercise. Uh, I'm trying to think of the institute in Virginia Beach, the fellow who really explored astral projection. It'll come to me. Edgar Casey. No, this was um, Journeys Out of the Body, uh, and he's got a, a Robert Monroe. Robert Monroe. Okay. And this was his earliest, uh, easiest method of going, getting to the borderland, as he called it, and then leaving your body. So, and I I used to do this with my first metaphysical classes, and I would have them, I would guide them out of their bodies to go to their homes and check their answering machine so that they, later on, when they went home, they could check to see, that confirm that they had seen the right number of messages in their astral body. And so I took one apprentice, guided her um, to a friend, to her friend's house, and by invitation only, and had her look around, and she said, "I afterward, I had her do several things, and go several places. 
But at at the end, she said she was reporting, and she said, "I guess my friend wasn't home, but her dog was on the couch." And then she looked at a couple of specific uh, uh, objects to check out with her friend. Well, afterwards, she called her friend, and her friend said it, it, they figured out at the time that I guided the apprentice to her home, the friend was in the basement, and she said she heard her dog bark and wondered who was there. And it was my ap- apprentice. So, I th- And there's a famous story of a gal in Ireland who kept leaving her body in her sleep and going to this one house that she absolutely loved. And she wanted to buy the house. She could see it was for sale. For two years, she went around Ireland, around that area, with a, with a realtor, finally found the house, went up to the door, and the owner opens the door and says, It's her! It's the ghost! <laughs> and so on her astral trips to that house, the the woman had been appearing as an apparition. Wow. So, so we're all we're all over the map and beyond in our in our astral bodies. Uh and consciousness it's just it's so vast and uh I use the future information with caution that my clients uh that it doesn't take them out of the present because the most positive flowing probable future will come through the portal of the present, being fully present, making use of your challenges, growing from your challenges, being attentive, uh, being present, gets you to your best future. But but nonetheless, the future information can point them in the direction of a more positive, probable future. Many people don't feel they deserve a happier life, greater joy. Uh, and it can also, uh, it's really fun, what I call the party favors, the, the little teasers the sneak previews. As I'm hanging out in these future moments and looking around, it's really instructive for my clients to observe what their mind does with the future information. Oh, that must be my mother's house. Oh, that must be my, my friend Susan. How how desperately we try to nail the information. The ego self hates the unexpected. It wants to control it all. And, of course, we need an ego to be a self to play around here. But I, I'm constantly saying... Let go of your estimation of what this future information, what this future scene means. You won't even come close. And I, I think I may have mentioned to you my my favorite example of this. A client in New York was going through a wretched divorce, and her ex was turning her kids against her. And she wasn't dealing with it. She wasn't processing the pain. She was doing the stiff upper lip, well, it's just best to move on. I said, well, you need to process the pain, and you might need counseling just to, to really get a handle on it. No, no, I've got to move on. And I said, well, if you can work with this, here's a potential future moment where there's something about a wooden beam across the ceiling, there's something about butterflies, and it's a moment of reflection. You're thinking back on your life and how your challenges have have grown you, how you have have really expanded from what you've done with your challenges and you're feeling grateful and so on. I mentioned some other things. Well, that must be my mother's house. She has a a cabin with a beam. I said, just let go of it. You won't even come close to estimating. I heard from her seven years later. She had developed breast cancer, which forced her into therapy to deal with the pain. She became a Buddhist and went regularly to the Buddhist Center in Manhattan, where one day she found herself in the meditation room 
reflecting back on her life, feeling grateful for what she'd done with her challenges and how much wiser she'd become. And she looks up, and there's a wooden beam across the ceiling with butterflies stamped on it. <laughs> so it's fascinating to see what how people in the present go crazy trying to estimate and nail down this future information. We won't even come close. Yeah. I uh, another client. I she lost her lover and was convinced there'd never be another. And I'm communicating with a future partner and something about plaid boxer shorts. Seven years into their now 15-year relationship, he comes down from the guest room in their mountain cabin with a pair of plaid boxer shorts, and he's found them in in a chest of drawers in the guest room, and he says, where did these come from? And my client just about passed out. You know, who'd have thunk? (laughs) I love it. So do you happen to go into the future? Do you predict the future? Do you see disasters? before they happen, or do you believe I, well, the consciousness no, of the No, no, it's important. When, when, peop- when people get readings, it's really important to go to someone with a positive filter. We all have our own filters, and, and our filters are influenced by our repertoire of experiences, our attitude, uh, how we, co- you know, just who we are. It, it's a, We have our own very unique filter. And so uh, someone who might be a kind of a... a uh, doom and gloom, cup is half empty kind of person uh, is going to flavor this multidimensional information with with that that sensing or that flavoring. Uh, an apprentice years ago was highly intuitive, but a self-proclaimed drama queen. And I I and I said you really should shouldn't do readings. And she would begin every reading with every session with OMG. You're not going to believe. <laughs> so I have a positive filter, and I only get positive probable information. However, I do see future disasters through one specific client, and that's because she works for FEMA. When I merge with her timeless consciousness, I am in the future observing the next disaster. And so a few weeks before 9-11, I was, uh, doing, I was presenting in Chicago, and, and she, I'd read her over the phone for years, but she drove quite a distance to meet me in person. And, and I said, there's going to be something about a tree or a building falling, I don't know, and then something about a ship, maybe you're going on a cruise, because we can only interpret the future in terms of what's known in the present. And sure enough, a few weeks later, she's working at Ground Zero, having lunch every day on the USS Comfort. Wow. So that's where I see future disasters, because it's my procedure, my style to merge. I merge with a client's consciousness, and I can go to their childhood, see through their eyes, where the grandfather might have been being inappropriate, and we redo her relationship to the little girl and to that scene and have the, the the present self become the mom and invite that little girl to come join her in the present and keep her safe. And that, that helps my client become more the adult and attract more adult relationships. So I can go to the past and then past overlays. I call them overlays instead of past lives. People like to hear past lives often because their present life is so boring and it's to fluff their ego feathers to hear they were someone great or famous, exciting, whatever. 
but when I'm when I'm discussing something going on in the present and there's an overlay from another life space that relates precisely and informatively to something going on in the present, to me it looks like it kind of hydroplanes in and hovers over the present. It can be a, a different arrangement of a of a triangle relationship. It can be a, a civil war scenario relating to something very specifically uh, surfacing in the present. So I get those overlays, and, and when I watch them, it, it's like I'm watching a video. It's still occurring on the battlefield of the Civil War or in medieval times uh, w- with whatever drama going on. So it's informative. It can be very insightful to see why certain things are are being not repeating. I believe that every lifetime on our deathbed, when we die with certain untruths, that we that we might be heathenous, unloved, abandoned, unworthy, whatever, or, or we might uh, on any on our deathbed we might think we were pretty hot stuff because we taxed the peasants and amassed great fortune. We might then reincarnate and own a chain of Seven Eleven stores that burns to the ground to learn that we are greater than our possessions. So I believe that we get the opportunity back in the physical to experience a semblance, a recreation, or a, a new theme, or a new variation of an old theme, to kind of neutralize that truth and come up with, with something new. A really dramatic example, at the end of a client session, she said, what about my son? And I kind of hunched over and pulled in my arms, and I said, it's like he's in a cage, and he's here to break out of that cage. And indeed, I feel he died being treated as an animal, thinking he was an animal in a bamboo cage in another life space, and I believe he knew his father there. She said my husband was in Vietnam. What a metaphor. Wow. Uh, well, and, and she said, she said, I forgot the punchline, she said, and my son is autistic. Oh. So here he's in, metaphorically, in a different kind of cage, and with all the, the new information these days, he's here to bust out of that cage so that the autistic uh, mindset or anomaly is really kind of mimicking the feeling he had dying believing he was an animal in a bamboo cage Wow! so the metaphors are just amazing life is just so creative and imaginative we again we couldn't even come close in writing the script so what did they say god we we plan and god laughs well it's it's really great to try to to con- be convinced that we don't even want to try to plan. <laughs> so, uh, would you be willing to um, have us open the uh, switchboard and so people can call in and talk with you? Would you? Be absolutely, to absolutely, and and preferably quest- preferably questions that will be of interest to your listening audience. Okay, so um, I'll turn it back over to you, Arielle. And it's been my pleasure talking with you, Louise. We'll Same talk here. I, I I always love being with you guys. Thank you. So um, if you are already on the switchboard and you have a question that might be um, of benefit to a lot of people, we we kind of want to avoid the the personal, uh, you know, one-on-one kind of uh, reading. We're not going to be doing that. But questions that would be relevant to the rest of the audience, if you're already on the switchboard, then you'll just need to press 1 
so that we know you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on the computer, you'll need to dial our call-in number, which is 917-889-8292, and then press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. One uh, one thing to mention, speaking of minis, doing minis, I, I do them in person when I've done presentations and then I kind of move out into the audience and I telepathically I can hear people saying, do me, do me. And I've recently started doing Monday minis. The first Monday of each month, uh, people can come into Skype the first six and I, I and they get a mini for a nominal fee. And that's on the website under services as well as information about consultations, uh, group readings, when I do several at once in Skype or when I'm on the road. And and I do want to mention, before I forget, that to, for your listening audience, I will extend the twofer deal that I, I offer periodically. It expired at the end of May, but for your listening audience, I'd be happy to to uh, uh, gift that. And and that's if you bring a friend along or you uh, you bring a friend in to... To purchase a twofer and you each get a, a full hour reading at a discount. So it's two readings discounted. And it brings in new people. It's a good, great way to acquaint a friend, bring a friend or family along to introduce them to my work. So I wanted to extend that. Well, that's great. That's great. And I, I noticed that um, um, on your website you do offer a lot of services, uh, the, the group readings, the the Monday minis, and you've got quite a, uh, a few videos on YouTube as well of some of your past workshops and um, a lot of resources in addition to um, four books. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the website, once again, is louisehauk.com, and Hauk is spelled H-A-U-C-K. So check that out when... Uh, when you all have time. So we're waiting to see if um, if any callers would have questions for you that would be of a uh, kind of general nature or questions just about, about telepathy, uh, connectivity, um, information. Do you still have a, um, a speaking schedule where you travel around and, and uh, do presentations at various... Uh, various yeah, I, I, I've done this, oh gosh, twice a year for over 25 years and I'm trying to do more online these days. I have been invited um, to Southern California in October. I'm going to see what else uh, moves in around that. Uh, I was in Seattle presenting at a bookstore in May. But again, I'm I'm trying to uh, offer more online uh, opportunities. And yeah, when people get over their intimidation about technology, it's it's really great. There's there's a gal on the Miccosukee Indian Reservation who's hosted a group uh, a group reading. I used to call them readings in the round, and she just gets everyone to her place and uh, hooks up the computer monitor, and it's vir- it's virtually as if I'm there doing the group reading in her in her uh, facility. Um. I have a, a great example of these group readings, and it's and and do interrupt me if you get a caller. Um, it's fun when when friends bring 
when 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 it's friends and family coming together because many times the information is hard to place on the spot. So a friend might say, she's talking about your brother. A friend will help them place the information. Right. <clears throat> but this was a, a group in Columbus, Ohio, where I have gone regularly for several years. <clears throat> and I get a nice momentum going around the group, and I and I stop at the, the end, the fellow at, at the end of the circle, and I said, your mother's here, and she's she's doing this pantomime, like pushing food towards you. I don't know, was she a Jewish mother trying to get food down you, whatever? And he says, I know exactly what mom's talking about. And he said, when mom passed, I inherited her famous spice cake recipe. But I couldn't find the recipe for the burnt sugar icing. So I called out to mom, mom, if you're there, give me the re- send me the recipe for the icing. In the next week, he's talking to a client in his office. The client stops mid-sentence and gives him the recipe. Oh, my word. You know, talk, talk about connectivity. So the mother from the non-physical was saying, I sent you the recipe. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. you know, there's, there is such a thin, um, a thin line between, you know, the third dimension and other dimensions. And yes. The only um, obstacle really is our own, as you said, the, you know, the, the left brain, the logical brain that mm-hmm. kind of puts the, puts the stopper up there. Yes. So yes. Um, we we do have, uh, I see a caller that is uh, awaiting. Um, okay. But we're not we're not quite ready yet there when they get out of the uh, the screening room because we like to know, um, have their name yeah. and what they want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as she gets out, we'll we'll pick that up. Um, well, you know, I think as we do, as as we get desensitized and and move away from from so much of this seeming to be booga booga or getting being spooked by it. I mean, telepathy. It's it's like you know, someone might not believe in chlorophyll, but the but the leaves are still green. <laughs> right. Um, it and, and and it's just part of us, and I think it will bring us in in, in into communication with HIs much more readily. And many times I see a client is being beamed. It's like they've got a spotlight on them, and that means they have already have some connectivity to these higher, this higher intelligence, HIs. Um, but again, they put themselves at risk to come into this dimension where we use language. It's a very low, dense vibration. Well, you know, we had um, one of our, our favorite guests named James Gilliland, who's actually a kind of, up in your neck of the woods, um, and they have a lot of it, the East Eddy Ranch. They've got a lot of UFO activity, a lot of um, extraterrestrial contact, and and he said that they they are so sensitive to the lower vibrations that it would be you know like like fingernails on a chalkboard, and it's very uh-huh. di- very difficult for them to um, to come down. Um, in yes. that, that frequency, and it's yes. more than it might even be uh, painful in a way. So yeah. the best way is for us to raise our frequency into that that joy, the connection, the oneness, the um, the gratitude. Absolutely, you know, and absolutely raise, the heart connection. Yep, abs- and, and and the laughter. Um, I have often yes. 
believed that your frequency is is almost as high as it can get when you are when you're laughing and isn't that the truth it just it just sends everything to a height that um yes i agree produce, you know you or, know when your laughter oh i'm sorry go ahead or or when you just when you feel just an overwhelming love for someone that's those are the things that really shoot your frequency up absolutely i think when your laughter fills the room you fill the room well that's a good observation i'm sure it's i i would agree with that so yeah, yeah. we are ready with our caller here, okay. and uh, we're going to be talking to Althea, and she has a question about uh, extraterrestrials. So let me get your mic open here for a second. It's spinning, it's spinning. Um, well, we've got a thunderstorm starting here, and I don't know if my uh, my mm. Internet connection is. It's just... Oh, uh, yes. Althea, can you hear us? Um, I can. Hi, Ariel. Okay, so the the, the little there red can come on, but you're here, so go ahead with your question for Louise. Hi, Louise. I have Hi, a question. Althea. You're welcome. To, you're welcome to use either my timeline or the timeline that you see when I question. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You open yeah. the door. I I'm walking through it. Okay. Oh, that's so. great. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I really thought about this question before coming online. And so, higher intelligences, I'm using your words, mm-hmm. do you see a galactic demonstration of them with ships on a larger scale? Or do you see it, or how do you see it if they are going to demonstrate themselves to the public? Well, I think I think it's what Ariel was just saying is we raise our vibration. We're going to have more encounters, but for me, it's it, it's uh, sometimes a voice in my head and uh, uh, a feeling. Uh, and there have been a, a few times, and I thought it was God speaking to me. And and I think it is higher intelligentsia or higher intelligence. Uh, years ago, the voice said to me. Now it's time to show people where they've known God. And I said, oh, my God. And the voice said, that's the point. <laughs> and and from that point on, spontaneously in consultations, I'll see a flash, and it opens up a scene where my client has known God but didn't define it as such. Uh, saying to the client, uh, fourth grade, fishing on the lake with a J, you were knowing God. And they said, and the client said, "Oh, that was my uncle Joe. I know that moment, but I didn't know that was knowing God." So it's a real gift because we think it's outside ourselves, like the lightning bolt, the demonstration of a higher power. When it is that feeling of un, of unmistakable connectivity, and that's when I have felt them. And 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 the voice has come through a, a few times, uh, always unsolicited and unexpected. Um, <laughs> And, well, then, I and have, then I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I have seen them and had ha- and have had demonstrations. So this isn't something where I necessarily need it to happen. I'm curious yes. because there's a great deal of chatter globally on yes. this matter. Yes. So I'm curious. Well, I would I would be certain that you only accept the higher vibrations. Uh, uh, years ago, I I was reading a gal in person, and I saw and felt a very mercurial energy beside her 
And I said to her, have you been abducted? She said, all my life. I said, do you want to? She said, no. So I telepathized to that energy. I said, well, this is an interesting adventure, but it's up to her, and she does not choose it, and only that which comes in the light of God, a higher power, and by invitation only, is accepted. And it went away, and she was never bothered since. So I think, of course, there are higher and lower levels of... uh, existence on in, in that realm as well as there is in this dimension so you it, it's and you can set the parameters it's not bigger than you so you hook up to a higher power and feel the light and know that only that which comes in the light is is going to pre, be presented to you have, have you not. had uh, encounters that you would, would would prefer not to have had i've never had a negative encounter oh good yeah. yeah. Super. Yeah. Super. And yeah. what do you see? <laughs> and how how um, do you see them? Okay. Well, um, first one was physical eyes, um, like with my physical eyes uh, through mm-hmm. senses, and yeah, every single time is actually through physical eyes. Now I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're here, like I'm speaking to you or seeing you or having you in my living room would be the same. And you're you're sort of seeing a reality within a reality. Um, okay, uh, reality within the reality. No, I'm seeing it as if the, in this now reality. And what do they look like to you? Or how do they present well, themselves? The first one was like, you know, the typical short little gray guy. And, and that, in, in all honesty, that wasn't like scary for me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The second time I've seen it, what a ship. And then the third time, and these are all in different sequences, and the third time I saw them were um, they were light beings in a geometric orb form, um, highly colored in a different spectrum than is normally on this planet. And then they were huge, and then they stretched into about five foot and a half beings um, that I could see through, but had a crystalline ma- matrix. Wow! Did they yeah. telepathize a message to you? Well, actually, this is the funny thing: is I actually tried the telepathy, um, and they didn't do that. They actually went and spoke to my daughter and and said to her, um, "We're here to te- to tell you to stretch, to like grow huh. into your more perfected form." And um, once I once you. Once she gave me the message, they disappeared completely. Then, and did your daughter experience it as well? Yes, except for with her at the time when she was a child, she could not see in color, and she only saw in black and white. Aha! Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. What a metaphor. So that, yeah. So that was the difference. Was we were t- we're here to tell you the stretch, and I went into a lot of, of work at that point in time, and then when I saw the ship. Um, I went into a hyper learning, a light beam came down, and I went through a hyper stage of learning um, where I was able to assimilate information in an extreme amount of time. Wow. And Mm -hmm. I I think in a much more um, minimal way, what you just described is what I feel when I'm interpreting multidimensional information or messages from loved ones it's so nuanced it's so multi-layered didn't you find that it it's an it's such a, a vast knowing that then if you were to to then 
tell a friend about what you experienced, it's really challenging to funnel it down into linear form? I think finding the language uh, with someone who doesn't have similar experiences is difficult. With, with me, yes. I've had, you know, I have a network of people that I can, and typically I share it anyways. But um, the one thing I will tell you is when I did experience the light beam and the ship, um, now I have always seen future timelines in my life. It stopped um, after the Bush administration, but... Um, when the light beam came down, they started showing me iconographic images in my mind's eye, and they were sequenced. They sequenced it as in a form of a timeline. Like, okay, you see this image, then it goes to this image, and that's the next mm. moment, the next moment. And I've never had that happen because when mm -hmm. I see timelines in my mind, I see them as if they're all. I mean, like they're. I'm watching TV, and it's happening. And when mm -hmm. I see timelines. It happens. It's there's no and if or or but or shades of gray. It's gonna happen mm -hmm. exactly how it happens. So when I got the iconic images, almost like I was looking at hieroglyphs, um, mm -hmm. that's when I I figured out as I was going through the when everything unfolded. Oh, it's mutable, and that was the first time I've ever had that happen. Wow, and that was so, in 2013. So when I think you just answered. My question, where you said the timelines seem uh, so certain and exact, but then you then you kind of grew into seeing them more mutable. When it, it's frustrating when clients want to know exactly when that potential positive future moment is going to occur, and I say, well, it's it's it is mutable. It's and it's up to you. You could lock the door and never go out and meet anyone, and it, and that we have a whole lot of free will. Um, is that what you're saying, that you first saw exact timelines, but then you saw that they were mutable? No. When I see when I see a future event happening in my third eye, it'll come in, it will show itself, and, they're mm -hmm. in there, and it is beyond my ability to change it or anybody's ability. It's happening. It's global. It's going to happen. And mm -hmm. this, this mm -hmm. was something I've seen since childhood growing up. Now, mm. today, it isn't like that. I don't see timelines like that anymore. I think because mm -hmm. we've moved into choice and free and more of ability. Okay, let me put it this way. I think, even though people may not feel it, we have reached mm -hmm. a place of maturity so that mm -hmm. we can choose to be more positive. I agree. I agree completely. So uh, we and, yeah we we are more cr the creators of our reality and in this dimension of duality where the dark's getting darker the light's getting brighter the those cho choosing the light and raising their vibration I think people like you and me and uh, Ariel and Lavendar are, are really here helping people face forward and open up to to all of it you remind me of. Um, uh, well, as I say, those those when I see a spotlight on someone, that there's definite connectivity to the, these higher intelligences, higher intelligentsia, and um, uh, and I said I wasn't, I don't tune in on the air, but I do have to say when I when I see you being beamed, that you really are. How can I put it again? Trying to find words in the lineup, on the front lines, 
it's it's like there are those they are preparing to be on the front lines either to we may already be doing it preparing people for expansion in consciousness shifts in consciousness shift your perceptions you'll shift to reality guess what there's a whole other kind of reality out there or it, it could be a certain kind of campaign that has yet to unfold but i see them really pulling you onto the front lines uh, a channel source told me once that when New York floods, ETs will be helping, and I'll be helping them. And it was very curious because I'm not that curious about them, even though I've had those experiences with the voice and so on. But I just I had to pass out on uh, when I saw the spotlight on you, um, and and it's funny, all that you have has actually seen. Um, when I was in Florida doing a group uh, once, the uh, my hostess wanted to have a social gathering to kind of give me some time off, and I'm sitting on the couch with this gal, and she's being beamed, and I and I just had to mention, I said, "Are you into ET stuff at all? HI stuff?" She said, "She said, yeah." She said, "I was recently going to a party in Miami." And I'm going heading for this under this overpass, going under this overpass, and I see a spaceship hovering above the bridge or of the overpass. She was so conscious of her left brain saying, "No, it's a it's an airplane," and her right brain saying, "No, it's a it's a spaceship." <laughs> she went to the party and mentioned it to a gal who had also seen it, and she said, "No, it was an airplane." <laughs> Oh, hilarious. But but interesting yeah. how you've just trusted it. It sounds like your visions and your communication is just really unmistakable, quite distinct. Well, they, well, it started in childhood. So when you live up, I went through my dark night of the soul at eight, which is beyond the point. But I went because I thought we had no free will. And I was like, oh, you're going to get me kicking and screaming. Because wow. when you see so much happening and there's nothing you can do, when you surrender to the divine will, my, yes. you know, this is this is kind of like when you finally realize there is a divine will and it's beautiful and it's you know, and there's galactic yes. as well, and there's multiple players, you, you know, you move past the fear, which is yes. part of the growth stage, and our own blocks, like you with your yes. two clients that you mentioned, where they were playing UFO, I don't know, you know, yeah, um, yeah, when you yeah, move yeah. past that, then it yes. all starts unfolding. But here, I'll leave it with this because I don't want to take any more time. It unfolds in love. Yeah, Once absolutely. you get past all of that, it yes, that's everything. Love. The, op- yeah. the open heart. I want to, and I want to yeah. mention just something quickly. I'm not sure how much time we have, but the way I used to respond to the the often um, quite often posed question, "How far can free will take you off your path?" Um, I I then go into a, a discussion about strong future events. Uh, a biophysicist years ago, we were in a chat room. And he had come up with this concept of strong future events. And there's seemingly fickle, fleeting moments when you think you could have gone to the right, but you went to the left. But there's no way you wouldn't have gone to the left. He said it's like a switching, a train yard, where you you go, you, it's like a switching node. If you go too far off your path, you come to a switching node that puts you back onto your path. This concept really intrigued my friend and colleague Gary Zukov and he wanted to use the term but the guy disappeared to you know ask his permission but it I w- it was very useful to me to use what what we would call SFE strong future events 
and they're pivotal junctures, not events like funerals, um, you know, birthdays, whatever, Wedding. graduations, right. but those sick, seemingly sickle, sickle fleeting moments. And uh, the client, the couple who lived up in Big Bear, California, for example, they were down the mountain shopping in San Bernardino, and they couldn't decide whether to go on to Palm Springs for um, dinner or to go back up the mountain and have dinner with their daughter. They they decided to go back up the mountain where they found themselves in the doorway hugging their daughter at the moment of the last really big earthquake. So there's no way they weren't going to decide to go up the mountain. And that could be like those pivotal junctures that you were seeing in terms of there not being free will. But but I think there's so we have so much more latitude and, and free will in how we get to those junctures, whether it be owning a 7-Eleven store that burns to the ground to learn that we're greater than our possessions or turning the corner and, and, and volunteering. You know, it's, it's, we have so much, so much free will, but I do think there are those pivotal junctures. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, two things. Um, <laughs> we, we, are, we, will, okay, we are always, always on track. Always. Yeah. Even when we, even mm-hmm. when we think we're not, it's like mm-hmm. we've got ourselves. So we can because I went, I had my dark night of soul at eight, and I went kicking and screaming and fingers in the air, and no, I'm not. If you say turn right, I'm going left. And because mm-hmm. I went through that in a very heavy, heavy way, I when I did my life review and I looked at everything, I went, oh my god, I was never off track. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they would just pivot me and pivot me and pivot me and calm me down. Until I went, okay. <laughs> uh huh. I've always had a choice. I've always had a choice, mm-hmm. whether I wanted to realize it or not. I agreed, and it's moving forward. Yes. Well, it's so, it's different. Yeah, it's so relative too. In the bigger picture, and I I'm so blessed to be able to see the bigger picture, and and zoom in and zoom out. And so it sounds like that's what you. Would, what you did when you were zoomed in and really saw timelines and all of this, and then as you zoomed out, you thought, "Oh my!" You saw, "Oh my gosh, we're always on on schedule." Always, yes. In the bigger picture, isn't it a blessing Thank to know you. that? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Yeah. You, you, well, you're, you're what a fun what a fun chat. I'm so glad you called in. I've really enjoyed chatting Thank with you. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you so much, Ariel, and Star Welcome. Radio. May may the force continue to be with you. (laughs) Thank you, and you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks, Althea. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, that was delightful. Well, you know, it's it's a a really interesting um, concept, and in the the course of my work, I have kind of come to the um, the realization that, and let me ask you what what your opinion is on this, that there's your human 3D free will, but your higher self, your galactic self, mm-hmm. has a free will as as well. <clears throat> and when there is a, a kind of a, um, a a difference or a crossroads like that, sometimes I think that it is the uh, a free will that is coming from a, a higher version of you that make clash. With what your what your limited 3D mind wants, but um, as Althea said, um, we're always on track. Even if we're taking the mm-hmm. long winding road, we're still going to yes. end up where we needed to be. But most yes. of us 
would rather take the direct approach and 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 get there more quickly. Exactly. But, Even though there is no time, we're a bit impatient. Yes. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, we, we. I mean, in the third dimension, and you know, there's Monday, there's Tuesday, there's Wednesday, and and mm-hmm. we go through mm-hmm. them minute by minute. But mm-hmm. do you think that the the free will of your higher self, when it is um, maybe a contradicting the free will of your of your three mm-hmm. D self, wouldn't your mm-hmm. higher self always um, uh. Well, I, I have a very uh, personal example of that very thing. Um, years ago, I was told by a channeled source, a reliable one, <coughs> excuse me just a sec, <coughs> stuff in the air. I was told that my path, <coughs> excuse me, this lifetime was supposed to be very dark. <coughs> <clears throat> but that I chose the light. <clears throat> and I used to take it for granted that since day one in this incarnation, I've never, I came in never doubting my connection to a higher power. <clears throat> <clears throat> and and that it was apparently easy for me to yield to the light. I have a hunch that <clears throat> of course, I'm curious why <clears throat> I would have come to a path configured that way. But my only assumption is that <clears throat> that there would have been all the more contrast if it had been an addiction or who knows. And, and I've asked for details and I've been told that I, I can't know. <laughs> I'm not supposed to know what it could have could have been <clears throat> was set up to be. And probably to make the contrast between the dark and the light all the more dramatic, all the more contrasting. Um, And I think the most inspiring people in our world are those who have have walked in those shoes in tremendous darkness and found the light. And they've got the most amazing stories to tell, even the gal we were just talking to, her dark night of the soul at eight years old. So... In terms of what your question was, I think my higher self, um, I think there was an override because so much of me knows the light and is in the light. And and we're all in the light, but I know it. And and I've never had a problem with earthbound souls or unwanted energies. It just isn't in my reality. It sounds kind of arrogant or flippant, but it's true. It It just doesn't touch my reality. So so it was set up for it to be a very dark journey, and I, I'm guessing to make it all the more contrasting to choose the light to have all the more um, stories to tell, to inspire others. I don't know. But does that, is it, does that sound responding to what you were saying in terms of free will and that our higher self has its own journey and agenda as well? Well, I think it, I mean, just the <clears throat> point of, of incarnation the higher self and, and the and the and the soul are more um, combined, and then yeah. there's a separation when yeah. your consciousness and your 3D um, left brain um, starts to you know, take over the driver's seat. But there's always mm-hmm. that, as you said, that capacity, that po- potential, that 
your higher self can override if you just if you just get so far off or you're making a choice that is really going to um take you way far off <clears throat> there is a um yes a guidance system mm-hmm. that you know gently it may override your 3D free will but mm-hmm. it's in compliance with your with your higher self free will and yes. and that I mean to me it's it's kind of a um um somewhat comforting thought that you know even if i mess up you know the part of me that 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 has all the you know all the plans all the answers the the direction can always step in and say here you sleep while i or you drive while i exactly override yes i i agree uh and i i think it's really fun to get a feeling of one spirit. And and my perception is that the spirit is the spark that ignites the generator of the soul. And <clears throat> and I use the example, if we kind of yield more to our spirit, it really can help us transcend linear time. And I use the, the example in a very functional way that when you're walking by your desk and you're, think, you're on your way to, to somewhere else, and you look at your at your desk and you say, oh, my gosh, I need to do this, I need to do my bills, whatever. But it really isn't in the flow. It is, your spirit isn't flowing you there. It's flowing you out the door into another room. What I do is I take inventory. It's like I put it on my radar screen. I, I do a scan, and I just bring into my consciousness these items that need to be dealt with. Then I continue on with where my spirit is flowing me. Because I've brought it into that awareness, my spirit then has factored it in in a nonlinear way. I find myself at my desk at 4.30 and I'm halfway through all the stuff and I don't even remember deciding to do it. So it's really getting into the flow of the spirit, really letting your spirit lead the way. Um, And I think a lot of our stress is because we try to make things so time-oriented and the spirit doesn't relate to time. Um, <clears throat> I, I use the example uh, when I was living in New York. I'd been on the road, and I came back, and I was overbooked with consultations, and I had a, a talk to give at the Fions Group on the Upper East Side at the end of the day. So when we wake up in the morning, we tend to put things on a list linearly. So I started to do that, and then instead I did a scan of everything that needed to be done, and I visualized like tossing it into a circle as opposed to on a line, on a timeline. Then I just made an effort to stay present through, throughout the day. I, I also, at 8.30 that morning, tossed a fish hook out to 5 o'clock when I would be starting my talk. And I went to that future moment and felt the the silk sleeve of my jacket. I knew what I was going to be wearing, felt that on my arm, and felt myself about to present, feeling refreshed, uh, not stressed at all from the day. And I went to that moment and felt it. Then I came back into the present and stayed present through the day. I got to the to the um, to the gig to my presentation. Uh, I've even gotten to the cleaners that day, and I don't linearly. I couldn't have fit that in. And I'm about to start my talk, and I felt that moment that I either created or tapped into at 8:30 that morning. I felt it kick in at five o'clock. I, it almost jolted me. And I, I um, instead of my usual introduction, I said to the audience, "I have to let you know what just happened here. I just felt the moment I either created or stepped into." that was floating around out there, 
at 8.30 this morning, and it just hit. So that was that's one way, a very functional way, I often suggest that we go beyond linear time and yield to our spirit that really doesn't relate to time. That's a good point. <clears throat> that's a good point because it's, it's so easy to get overwhelmed um, when you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to make sure. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you, you, you come up with this um, to-do list for the day and yes. you know sometimes it can you can start getting tired yeah because in your mind yeah. look at all this stuff that I'm doing and and you kind of leak your energy out yeah um, where absolutely perhaps if you just um take a moment <clears throat> in the in the morning and say you know I'm going to do you know the best I can all day long mm-hmm. in the present moment and everything will be done, and the and the moment in the evening when it comes, when all the work is done, um, it it'll be like three. And and toss out the fish hook to the end of the day, and feel it all done, and be feeling grateful and excited that it all happened in a, in a very cosmic way. Uh, one of the exercises I do with apprentices is is Future Fridays. We toss the fish hook out to the following Friday and look around. And, and excuse me, and then they can confirm it. I did this with a, an apprentice. I got her first in the right, <clears throat> with the right orientation about transcending time, and you know it, it's all there. We've just been taught that it doesn't exist. Anyway, so I took her to the future to the following Friday, and I see I'm in her office, I, which I've never seen, and at her home, and I see the three stacks of papers she needed to deal with, and I described some pictures on her desk. Then I said, and there's something we're needing to put outside, either for the mailman or the trash. She said, well, Friday's my recycling day. And I said, oh, okay, great. So when we were done, she said, that was so cool. We went to the future. And then she flipped to her left brain, to her intellect. She said, how do we know we really went to the future? And I said, how did I know that Friday's your recycling day? I was there. (laughs) (laughs) So again, the spirit knows no time, and but the fish hook technique is really fun to transcend linear time. And then, really, you know, when we say go with the flow, really to go with the flow of your spirit can really uh, be a, a distressor. I guess I can't say de-stressor. And uh, well, but anyway, there's a way of saying it. It can really relieve stress. Mm. And try the and you try the fish hook t- technique and and, it, and to see it dig in to that moment, and everything's accomplished. You don't know how the heck it happened, and it feels so good. I, I, another apprentice, we went to Future Friday, and, he, and his apartment needed cleaning up, <clears throat> he said. And so I'm I'm merged with his consciousness sitting in his easy chair the following Sunday, and he's looking at his apartment all cleaned up. No, I guess it was Friday. Well, he reported that it was Sunday, that he's in his kitchen and he thinks he'll take out the trash. Then he thinks maybe he'll uh, mop the floor. And one thing kept leading to another. He didn't plan to clean up his apartment, but he found himself in the easy chair on, uh, at the end of that day looking and surveying the, the wonderful work he'd done. So a lot of it's an intention. A lot of it is going with the flow of our spirit and, and put, tossing out the fish up to a future moment and feeling it done. Then it almost creates a magnetic uh, effect or magnetism that pulls us towards that future moment. So it's a really cool thing to do. 
it's the law of attraction, right? Yeah, but I think this is even well, and that's an energetic thing for sure. That uh, yeah, it is a law of attraction. The law of attraction for me makes it a little. It's a little more nebulous, and and like the caller was saying, uh, it is unfolding in the right timeline in the bigger picture. Um, the the fish hook technique I think is very functional in terms of focusing like taking inventory of things that need to get done but then lifting it out of your realm out of your expectations out of your your mortal self's efforts um and and just quite simply going beyond time it's kind that, of creating a vortex would that also be a, a good tool even if if you're casting out the fish hook and you don't have it in your mind like I'm casting into Friday you could just be casting into a future moment when something that you really desire to have has arrived. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it would it would kind of enhance the law of attraction idea, wouldn't it? It, it I think the human doings we are as opposed to the human beings I th- I think there's also kind of a pleasing effect that we're doing something <laughs> to make help make right. it happen even though even though we know the the mindset that that brings us into the law of attraction into alignment. You know, and then you so, just yeah, it's to- a fo- it's a focus, yeah. You have to keep yourself out of the way as well, you know, once you have um, tapped into that future moment. um, If you, you you know, start with the the left brain going, oh, that was just a fantasy or whatever, you can put out an an energy right after that that could cancel, couldn't you? You know, you have to stay in that, um, in just that absolute knowing that, Yes, that future moment is coming, and, and feeling grateful for it, and, and like a, the feeling, yeah. the, feeling the the sleeve on my jacket uh, already at five thirty or five o'clock that day, uh, that morning. Um, it just it really is the nor it really is how our spirit operates, and I think it must be pretty confusing for our spirit being uh, encased in the, in this these temporary vehicles we tool around in. <laughs> Yeah. But again, the more we yield to it, um, the more I think we can go with the flow because it knows nothing but flow. Yeah. Well, you know that 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 left brain need for control can yeah. Uh, it can really you can really control yourself right into <laughs> right into a corner. Um, so, yeah. You know, letting go yeah. and 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 trusting yourself as well. I, as- I, I, Yes, absolutely, and and I I experience I, most many of my clients are awakened and really savvy, and 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 some are just kind of coming into this thinking, and and they move quickly. I think because well, it, actually, a message came from my earliest metaphysics classes years ago, and it was kind of quasi channeling, and <clears throat> and I I was saying to the group that many of you have been traveling the path for quite some time and in times ahead there will be those who come onto the path and know so quickly and that's because you've been creating the groove you've been laying down the tracks so there really is a grooving consciousness that is in training people onto that frequency quite readily and that said it's it's interesting when i read a client who is extremely controlling and not only wants me to to see that the boyfriend is going to come back, but he's going to feel really bad that he didn't know she was on dialysis. <laughs> okay. 
And I, I, my my favorite example of a client who was into her own story, and it had to do with being uh, written out of her mom's will and a whole lot of family discord, and she kept going on with her story. And I thought, well, it is her dime, but I would like her to get her money's worth. How can I bring her into the present moment? This was over the phone. <clears throat> so I interrupted her. I said, I see that you have a dog. She said, how did you know? I said, I'm psychic. <laughs> and I said, and I said, can you go to the feeling of loving your dog? And then I hear, Rex. I said, no, don't go to your dog. Go to the feeling of hugging your dog. Then I hear this pause, and then I hear, oh. And that's what it took to take her from her head into her heart. That's what took what it took to bring her into the present moment where we could where we could relate. Well, a lot of a lot of tricks of the trade that you've learned over the years. Well, and, I can almost, uh, yeah. I say we we are al- coming to oh, the sorry. to the end of the show here, so I want to give you a chance to um, once again. Um, <clears throat> you have your website, LouiseHouse.com. Mm-hmm. Dot com, and you've got a YouTube channel that's got a lot of videos that people can watch just um, when they mm-hmm. feel like. And you've got private sessions, you've got group readings, you have apprentice classes. Um, uh huh. Monday minis that are that is fairly new. If Monday you're the first six who come into Monday Monday minis, they get they get a mini reading like uh, for for a nominal charge, like like I would do in the audiences. Um, the first six who come into Skype, and there's a whole pr- procedure to go through. That's on under services um, and group sessions and yeah it's uh i i love my work you can tell <laughs> yes i can tell and you're just full uh, surprises you're uh, just a delightful soul to have and to help show the way and then because the uh ever since 2012 uh, people have been on a fast track and mm. you know, they just they want and they can go um, at a higher, higher, faster rate, learning, expanding, and growing, connecting. And uh, you've been doing this a long time, and you're very um, masterful at it. So I really encourage the listeners, if you want to um, to work with Louise and uh, develop your own in- intuitive abilities, getting into the flow, into the connectivity, um, or working one-on-one um, at, with her as a counselor, please um, investigate, go on the website, and see all the things that we ha- Louise has to offer. And Thank ju- you. Just uh, before we um, wrap up here, Lavendar, do you have a um, parting comment? No, just I've been listening and really tracking everything that's being said, and I just loved what what happened tonight with with the consciousness of not only the people that have been talking on on the air, but but I've been tracking the listeners. And uh, so many people really, really got it tonight in areas that they couldn't get before. So thank you, Louise. Oh, super. Well, I'm honored to to be back. I oh, I just love uh, communing with you guys. Okay, thank you. And your thank books, you for your work. Your books are available on the website as well as I think Amazon too, right? Mhm. Mhm. Yep. Okay. So it's everyone, um, check it out. And uh, we are just so honored that you've spent this time with us. And we look forward to having you come back at a future time. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks again for having me.
You are much so welcome. Much love to you guys. Thank you so much. Uh huh. Thank you. Take oh. care. Thank you. Bye. So, so on behalf of all of us here at the Starseed Radio Academy, I want to thank you all for joining us. We will be back next week, and uh, until then, keep that heart open. Okay, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 